This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm Dan Pramat, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Tuesday, June 22nd. Median home prices are up to an all-time record. Actual sales of existing homes are down, and we're focused on the variants. The White House today acknowledged that the U.S. is unlikely to hit its goal of vaccinating at least 70 percent of adults by July 4th. Why it matters is more than 30 percent of U.S. adults and all kids under 12 remain unvaccinated at a time when a highly contagious COVID-19 variant is sweeping through the country. This is the so-called Delta variant, which could become our dominant coronavirus strain within just a few weeks. In fact, it's already become the dominant strain in both the UK and in India. Two things to know. First, if you're fully vaccinated, the latest research says you shouldn't worry too much about Delta in terms of your personal health. Research does remain ongoing, but it appears that the vaccines do protect against severe illness from not just the original virus, but also the variants of concern, which are Alpha, Gamma, and Delta at this point which originated in the UK, Brazil, and India, respectively. Two, if you're not vaccinated, yeah, worry. Go get your shots. The bottom line is that Delta is a stark and deadly reminder that we're not through this pandemic yet, even though so many of us are socializing unmasked and feeling like life has returned to normal. The longer it takes us to get everyone vaccinated is just more time for new variants to arise because mutations occur from person-to-person transmission. And it's possible that one of those new variants would be better at getting around our vaccines than Delta has proved to be. So today we'd like to go deeper with former CDC director Dr. Tom Frieden to learn more about the Delta variant, what it means for public health, and how vaccine manufacturers plan to keep up. That conversation in 15 seconds. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We're joined now by Dr. Tom Frieden, former CDC director and current CEO of Resolve to Save Lives. So Dr. Frieden, This Delta variant is going to impact vaccinated and unvaccinated people differently. Can you start by explaining why this poses a particular risk to unvaccinated people? The Delta variant is really concerning, particularly if you're not vaccinated, especially if you're not fully vaccinated. It's much more infectious than other strains. And we don't know for sure yet, but it also may be more likely to cause really severe illness. It's also a symptom. It's a symptom that the virus is continuing to evolve. The virus is not done with us yet. And we see this when new organisms enter the human race. They adapt quickly to people and they learn. Uh, Unless we learn and adapt quickly, we're going to have more and more problems in the coming months and years. When it comes to Delta specifically, when do scientists expect that this could become the dominant strain in the U.S.? 
I think you'll have different opinions if you look at what happened in the United Kingdom, even with a, a higher vaccination rate than we have here. It is now almost the only variant spreading. It's almost all of the disease in the UK. So I expect that in the next few weeks or less, Delta will become dominant in the US, although the larger geography of the US, the more dispersion of people may delay it somewhat. Unless something even more contagious than Delta emerges, it's likely to become the predominant strain fairly soon. What do we know right now about how protected, fully vaccinated people are from the Delta variant? It's really interesting because what you see is that there's a margin of safety, especially with the mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. And that is high enough so that for the for most of the variants, you really didn't see much of a decrease, especially not in the rate of severe illness. But for the Delta variant, a single dose of the vaccine was not very protective, only about 33% protective. And that tells us that this is a, a really tough variant to fight. It also tells us that there could be worse variants in the future. You say a single dose, say a single dose of an mRNA vaccine like a Pfizer or Moderna. What do we know about folks who would have gotten the J&J vaccine? It's been a small proportion of the U.S. vaccinations, less than 5% so far. So we have limited data about a J&J vaccine for this variant. How does this variant and even the prospect of future variants impact vaccine makers kind of in terms of how they prepare future product or, or creating more supply of current product? On the one hand, we have now a lot of really promising vaccines, a lot of vaccines that are proven. Most recently, the Novavax vaccine, which is a protein subunit vaccine shown to be highly effective. But what we've been saying for many months now is that we need to focus on the mRNA vaccines because they are our insurance policy. They're insurance against production problems with the other vaccines. And we see this in almost every factory where they're being made. They're difficult to make. It's an insurance policy against variants because the mRNA vaccines have a larger safety margin. So we need to ramp up production of mRNA vaccines much more than we have already. What does this mean for kids under 12 who can't get an mRNA vaccine right now? Well, I think in activities that are indoors with multiple kids together, you need to mask up. People have lost some of the concept of the multiple layers of protection, and that's what we still need indoors where people are getting together. If you're immunosuppressed, if you haven't been vaccinated, if you can't be vaccinated, you need to have multiple levels of protection ventilation, masking, distancing, less density, and certain things we're going to have to hold off on for a while. No indoor choirs for a while, please. When you're talking about the fall and school-aged children in the fall, are we going to be going back to a school year, which is similar to what we just left with social distancing, with masking? We hope that by fall we'll be able to get the number of cases down low enough that the risk to schools will be minimal. However, that may not happen if we don't continue to ramp up vaccination and if we don't do a better job tracking the cases that do occur and stopping chains of transmission. It's possible to do that. And unless we do, it's going to be hard to be fully back to the new normal in the fall. I do think we'll be able to have in-person schooling in the fall everywhere. But that means that we need multiple layers of protection, including vaccination of those who can be vaccinated, masking, increased ventilation, and some increase in hygiene and readiness for cases so that we can stop cases from spreading. 
A moment ago, you mentioned immunocompromised people. Does Delta create particular dangers for those folks? There's still a lot we don't know. There are many different types of immunocompromise. One group of people are people who have had what are called solid organ transplants, heart, kidney, and others, and maybe on very strong immunosuppressive agents. Those individuals don't seem to respond well in general to the vaccines. If your immune system is not as strong as others and the virus is a stronger one, that's something to potentially be concerned about. You've talked a couple of times about getting more people vaccinated. It seems like the U.S. is going to miss that 70 percent by July 4th target. Does Delta change the messaging on the importance of getting vaccinated? Absolutely. What people there's a lot that people don't quite understand about the phrase herd immunity. Herd immunity is not like a light switch where the disease stops spreading. But there is an important concept at a certain level you are much more likely to have explosive spread. But what you have to understand about herd immunity is it's for every community. So if you have any community that hasn't reached a high level, you're going to have the risk of explosive spread. And the more infectious the virus, the higher the threshold for herd immunity. So whereas it might have been 70% for the the original strain of virus, uh, it might be 85 even 90% for this strain. What we see with measles is you need to be well above 90%. Now, measles is much more infectious, even than the Delta variant. But the existence of this variant makes vaccination even more important. Are public health officials concerned that messaging just doesn't seem to be getting out well enough? I think the sad fact is that people are just tired. They're sick and tired of dealing with COVID. They may think that it's over because we have many fewer cases and many fewer deaths, but the risk is still out there. And getting vaccinated is really a small step that can make a huge difference. Beyond the threat of this particular Delta strain, what does the existence of variants and the creation of new variants tell us about the idea that we're going to live with COVID-19 in some form for quite some time? COVID is here to stay, and therefore our control measures need to be here to stay. And that includes not just vaccination, but also finding and stopping cases from becoming clusters and clusters from becoming outbreaks means testing. It means getting better at treating it, learning more about long COVID and how to treat it. COVID is a really tough infection to control and a very confusing one because uh, it is so commonly asymptomatic or only mildly asymptomatic. Dr. Friedman, final question for you. There's been a lot of attention recently paid to this idea that COVID-19 could have originated in a lab in China and not to debate that theory one way or the other with you. But could you explain why it matters so much for the science and for the public health to understand precisely where the virus did come from? You can make a strong argument that you don't need to hypothesize a laboratory leak. Organisms like this spill over from the animal world all the time. In fact, the reason there's a coronavirus laboratory in Wuhan is that there's a lot of coronavirus around Wuhan. On the other hand, the fact that it emerged in Wuhan, where there is a lab, and that we know there have been uh, many serious lab leaks all over the world, including in the U.S., the former Soviet Union, China previously, the United Kingdom. The key is for prevention of future severe pandemics, we need to get much better at reducing the risk that things will spill over from the animal kingdom. That means getting better at conservation and addressing those areas where there may be flashpoints of risk. 
And we need to get much better at laboratory safety and security with laboratory networks that limit the number of people, the number of laboratories, and the number of experiments from which there could be a deadly leak, whatever happened or didn't happen in Wuhan. One way or another, what we've seen is since it initially emerged, it has changed a lot. So this particular coronavirus is quite adaptable, and it is adapting to people and becoming more infectious with time. Dr. Tom Frieden, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Infrastructure Week, part whatever. The latest is that President Biden's core negotiating team is headed up to Capitol Hill to meet with senators about the trillion-dollar-plus infrastructure and jobs plan. According to Axios Politics reporter Hans Nichols, the goal is to secure an equal number of Democratic and Republican co-sponsors. So it's to create a too-strong-to-fail sort of bill, something that can't be stopped by conservatives who want less spending or by progressives who want more. Even Trump ally Lindsey Graham has seemed open to compromise. Here's what he told Fox News Sunday. President Biden, if you want an infrastructure deal of a trillion dollars, it's there for the taking. You just need to get involved and lead. In terms of timing, the goal is to move the ball forward before Congress goes home for the July 4th recess. And if today's meetings are considered successful, don't be surprised if Biden himself begins meeting with senators to get their names on the dotted line. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Naomi Shaven, Sabina Singani, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review or send us an email at podcasts at axios.com. Have a great National Onion Rings Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.